0: It could be worse, I guess, but I don't know. That's getting pretty low when you're a preacher. <laughs> oh, it's really good to be back. I told y'all. Oh, it's been, you know, I've been coming in every couple of months. And I said we'd. I had a lot of lessons in Romans 8, and I just want to talk about them. And and so uh, we're going to finish up today. Uh, we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 8. So I want you to go on uh, and get your Bibles over there, and uh, get myself all situated with the. Uh, With our PowerPoint and I think what we'll do let's go ahead and read the text and both the sermon today and the class afterwards just going to be taken out of this text so we got a lot to talk about and even then still had to cut some out but we want to want to do that so let's just read the text if we would and get ourselves started for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory to be revealed to us now that's going to be kind of our theme today, this idea of suffering in the present time. All right, let's keep going now. For the creation waits for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. We'll talk a little bit about that. And, And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit. So we're going to talk some of those things too. For we groan inwardly as we eagerly await for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. In other words... If you see it, you don't just hope and say, well, I, if you've got a new car and you see it sitting there, you don't say, I, I hope I had a new car. Well, you've got one already. Hope that is seen is not hope. For he who for who hopes for what he sees. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. And likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit, but the Spirit himself intercedes us with groanings too deep for words and he who searches the heart knows what is the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of god and then we have one of our most favorite verses romans 8 28 that says and we know that for those who love god all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose all right we got a lot to talk about today and i know that sometimes we we read through especially passages it's got a lot of different things to say, and, and, and sometimes it we kind of glaze over our eyes, and so, but there's some really good things here that can give us great hope. I, really, our, our, our talk today, our, our, our sermon is, is really about the age-old problem of suffering. Now, remember I said it kind of starts out in verse 18, and if you got your Bibles there, if you'll notice verse 18, it says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. Sufferings. No, suffering is just a fact of life. Uh, Interestingly, the Bible really doesn't spend a lot of time trying to explain suffering. You would think it would, but it really doesn't. Uh, It doesn't Give all the reasons. Now, sometimes it might give an explanation, but most of the time, the Bible just doesn't really explain why this is going on. And so, there's no real pat answer that, to our question of why is this happening, happening to me? Why is this happening to my loved one? Why is this happening in our society, or whatever? Maybe you lose a job, or you get a disease, or maybe a child is sick, or the spouse leaves, or whatever. And we sometimes want to ask the question, why why is this happening? Well, the Bible just doesn't give us an answer. But the Bible does give us comfort. And God's Word gives us hope so that when we have to deal with this problem of suffering, uh, even, even when we don't know why, we can have some hope. And I've always said, you really want to build on this foundation of the hope and before the hard times hit, because it's tough trying to build on it right in the middle of the hard times. Now, the key, we're going to look at some key words in this text today. And so uh, let's just kind of go through some of these. You know, one of the, one of the key words there is, is, let's see if I can catch myself back up here. There we go, hope. Here we are, hope. There's the word. If you'll look at that text there, if you count, you're going to see that hope is used six times. By the way, you've got a handout there and you can actually fill in the blanks again this t- today. But hope is used six times in the text there. Notice there in, in verse 20. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in, in hope. And then you go on down to uh, uh, the verse 24. For in this hope we are saved. But the hope that is seen is no hope at all. For who hopes for what he already has? We well, I talked about that. But if we hope for what we do not yet have... We wait for it patiently, which brings up another word. We're going to kind of talk about these more over the next, this lesson and in class there. But the next word that we see several times, and I'm a firm believer when you're reading through text, if a word just keeps showing up, maybe I need to pay attention to what God says here. But the other word is, is, is the word wait. And it's used three times in this section here. Uh, notice verse 19 there the creation waits in eager expectation jump on down there to verse 23 and look what it says and we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons and the same thing in verse 25 we wait for it patiently you know when we're suffering and we're going through a really hard time whatever type of suffering it may be physically emotionally whatever when you're in the middle of suffering, the hardest thing to do is to wait. Uh, many of us probably have been to a point, maybe you're suffering or you're sick or what are you? And you go to the doctor and they say, "Well, we need to run for some tests, and we'll get the results back in a few days. And what are you doing there? You're having to wait, especially if you're hurting. Uh, it's a hard thing to do. Now the Bible tells us in our suffering, Ah, When we're going through tough times, one of the things that we need to learn to be able to do is to wait. And that's hard, especially when you're in the middle of it. And we need to wait, according to this text, expectantly. Uh, There was one guy I was reading on this, and he said that word wait in the original has the idea of you're, you're, you're scanning the horizon. And you, 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 with every, every bit of your effort, you're, just, you're trying to see what's coming up. This morning I left before dark, or I came over here, and, and, and the sun started coming up, and you can see right across the horizon. And that's what this, this whole idea is, scanning the horizon, straining your neck, trying to see that the dawn is breaking, this whole idea of waiting expectantly. Uh, when we go through tough times, you know, we've got to have that hope but we need sometimes we need to wait now another word that's used in some of this and i know we're just kind of jumping through some words but it's going to all build together what we have to say today is another word that there is is grown that's not a word you see in the bible too much and we don't talk about it a whole lot but three times the word grown is found there uh Look, look at your Bibles there, verse 22, or up on the, on the wall there. We know that the whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. And we'll talk a little more about that. Uh, you know, in, in fact, I, uh, I notice Paul talks about. He says he's comparing the world waiting for God. If you read through that text, the world waiting for God is like a, 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 a lady in childbirth. Um, some of us are old enough now. You know, there was a time back uh, years ago when we were having children, and, or actually I'd say my wife was having children. I was there. And, uh, but at that time, they had just decided a few years earlier that uh, the whole idea of giving uh, some painkillers was not good for the baby. But they had not developed what now is used a lot, the spinal block or what they call it, epidural, or whatever they do when they're having babies now. And so you had that time that Lamaze classes were really popular, and it was a natural childbirth. People still do it today, uh, not quite as much, but everybody did Lamaze class. Well, that meant dad had to be in there, and you know I went through. Well, he had three kids, and I went through all those Lamaze classes. But I know something: being in that birthing room, and when they start giving that baby starts coming, there's some real world-class groaning going on about that time. And uh, but at that time, you know, is waiting for the birth of of the child. And he says, and Paul Paul is saying here. He's, he's saying, that's kind of how it is with creation, waiting for things to change. And maybe you've gone through groaning of a different type. Maybe you've lost a loved one, or there's been serious pain in your life, or whatever's going on, Or and you're there alone in that house, and boy, there may have been some groans that just would shake the walls. And why do we groan? Because we're hurting, and we're wanting things to be different but we're also waiting and groaning expectantly that something is about to change. I don't fully understand everything that Paul says about the whole creation groaning, but he does say that's what's happened. And I've noticed that uh, when he talks about this, this groaning, we see some things here. We see the fact that that sometimes we actually groan ourselves. Notice what it says in verse 23. Not only so, but we ourselves who had the first fruit of the Spirit. We groan inwardly as we wait for our adoption as sons and the redemption of our bodies. Have you ever just felt like sometimes you're uh, you're not making any progress spiritually? There may be times in your life you're just going, oh, boy, things are kind of tough here. Maybe you're frustrated, you feel like you're not going anywhere, or, or maybe you're frustrated with your... Your progress, and the fact that you're thinking, why am I not getting better in this particular situation here? How come I still have the same hang ups that seemed like I had 10 years ago? Oh, why does it seem like I just fall for the same old temptation? And I know I shouldn't, and I still do. Uh, why do I still have those same weaknesses? And, and inwardly, we groan, thinking, why can't I get it all together? What's wrong with me? And that's some of, the, some of the groans that are going there. Yet we know Christ died for our sins, but we want things to be different. He also talks about the whole idea of the Holy Spirit groans. Uh, look again there in verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know how to, how to pray for but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us when, with groans that words cannot express. Now this is, this verse here tells me something. This tells me how intensely God feels when I hurt. And how intensely He feels when you hurt. Sometimes people ask, well, where is God when I'm going through all this hurt? Now, something we need to, we need to remember something. When, when, when we are baptized into Christ, we become Of Christ. In fact, you talk about well, uh, Acts two, that famous verse: repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, and what else? And receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So we got the Spirit. And Romans eight talks about the Spirit of God dwells in us. And in Colossians, our life, uh, we are are hidden with Christ in God. So we are a part of god when we come to christ we're in christ we have the holy spirit living in us and so when we hurt guess what happens god hurts god cares you know that if you've got children and they are hurting terribly how are you feeling boy you're hurting yourself and so sometimes we ask that question where is god when i hurt He's feeling that same hurt that you're feeling, so much so that it says the Spirit groans for us. Have you ever felt so much pain you didn't know what to pray for? You just Again, it may be physical, it may be emotional pain, you just don't know what else to do. And the Bible says the Spirit groans. He intercedes. He's praying for you too right in the middle of all that. And again, there's more lessons we could talk about on there. But the other groaning that we see in this section here, it tells us... That all creation groans. There, uh, look at verse 22. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. And again, as I said, I, I don't under, There's things in the spirit world and everything that's happened. I don't always understand all of this. But somewhere along the way, at the at the fall of man, when sin entered into the world, all creation was affected. And creation groans because things aren't the way that they ought to be. Guess what? When we groan, why do we groan? Because things aren't the way they ought to be. And God even feels our pain and He groans with us. And so when we talk about, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about how to find hope to hang on when we're dealing with all of these problems. So that brings us, what does the Bible have to say about suffering? And I want you to see some things uh, through both of these lessons today. Some four sources of suffering from scriptures. And then what you need to do when you're going through that difficult time, that that suffering there. So here's our, first of all, one of the four sources of suffering is our own situation. Uh, Let's face it, we live in a fallen world. We live in a cursed world. And because the very fact that you're here on this planet means you're going to experience some suffering. Things you may not have anything to do with. A child might be born to drug addicted parents. That child had nothing to do with that, but that child has to suffer. You might have been born in the Gaza Strip. You might be a little child in the Gaza Strip, and there's bombings and stuff going on right now. You might have been born in Ukraine. Right now, as a child, you had nothing to do with all these big people having conflicts. And yet, guess what? You suffer. Because of the very fact we live in a fallen world. Uh, it goes all the way back to when the, uh, the original fall in Genesis 3. Look what he says to Adam. To Adam he said, because you listened to your wife from nine, and ate from the tree of which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Look what it says. Cursed is the ground because of you. Not because of the ground, did. Through painful toil you will eat of uh, of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat by the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground from where you were taken. For dust you are, and dust you will return. Adam blew it, we suffer. You know, before sin, there were no stickers, thin birds. There were not goat heads. There weren't weeds. It was all perfect. But because of sin, all creation suffers. Now, Jesus told us something. In this world, what is it going to happen? You will have trouble. He didn't say in this world you're going to have lots of things and everything's going to be hunky dory. In this world, you will have trouble. You're going to have problems. It's inevitable. It's like um, there was a book written years ago called The Road Less Traveled. Scott Peck said in that book, he said, When we try to run from problems, all we do is we run into bigger ones. There's going to be problems in this world. You're not going to get away from it. You see, before sin came in this world, everything was perfect. God said, and it was good. There were no earthquakes, there weren't tornadoes, there weren't hurricanes. You didn't have droughts. It was perfect. But when sin entered this world, it's like the world was just knocked off balance there, and the principles of decay started to happen, and things start wearing out, and just living in this world, there's going to be, we're just going to have problems. So that's one of the sources of our problems, is is where we are. Second source of our problem is sometimes it's our own sin. You know, we don't like to admit it, but I, I think about it. And I think about all, most of the problems I've ever had in my life generally comes back to me. Uh, look what Paul said in Romans 5 in about three chapters earlier. He says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, death through sin, and so death spread to all men. Why? Because all sin. In other words, we can't blame it all on Adam. I've often said, well, if Adam hadn't sinned and I came along about 15 minutes, well, it would have been over with then because we would probably sinned. So sin would have come into the world. Uh, we blow it too. And because sometimes we just mess up and sometimes we mess up big times, we're going to have some problems. Thanks be to God, as we've seen in other chapters and other lessons, that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all our sin. We're grateful for that. But sometimes we're just going to have problems. And sometimes there's consequences for our problems. Uh, you know, notice what he says there in Romans 6. Again, a couple chapters earlier. For the wages of sin is death. Now, he's not talking about just physical death, even though that's what happened when Adam, they started to die. But the wages of sin is death. It's, it's not just physical death, but sometimes sin causes death to relationships. Death to jobs. There's been people, because of their sinful behavior, lost their jobs. Sometimes death to our emotional well-being. Innocent people are hurt. Why? Because the wages of sin is death. We suffer. Sometimes we suffer because we sin. Now, another reason that we suffer is Satan. Satan. And I think we pretty well know this one here, but Satan sometimes causes our suffering. Now, we're, we're, most of us, familiar with that passage over 1 Peter 5 be self controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. The devil causes us problems. Sometimes. You know, sometimes kids ask them really good questions that we don't have answers for. Why is this happening? And sometimes you know the devil's just—he's out there looking for people, and he's—and sometimes he causes. He wants to do everything he can to discourage people, but the devil does cause problems. He's the one. He's the source of disease and death, and despair and and depression, and all these things. These are tools that Satan uses to cause us suffering. But there's one of those. That a lot of times we don't think much about. The Bible talks about suffering. Another source of suffering we don't think about much is salvation causes suffering. And you're probably thinking, What? You know, we're free from sin and all of this. What what are you talking about there? Once again, look what the Bible has to say over in First Peter. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial that you are suffering. He's talking to Christians here. As though something strange was happening to you, but rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. In other words, if Christ suffered, guess what? We're the body of Christ, guess what? We will suffer. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. That goes back to Jesus saying, in this world, you're going to have trials. Uh, Again, let's just, we're there in 1 Peter. Look at the following verses there. Look what he says in 14, 14. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and God rests on you. Look down at verse 16, what he says there. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed but praise God that you bear that name. You're saved, you're living a Christian life, and sometimes you suffer because of that. Look at verse 19, same text in there. So then those who suffer, look at this, according to God's will, should commit themselves to the faithful creator and continue to good, do good. Look at this last verse, got up here on the wall now. Look at that. It says, those who suffer, What? According to God's will, sometimes, I know this is a hard pill to swallow, but according to the Bible, sometimes it's God's will that you suffer. Now note something, it's always God's will that you choose suffering over doing wrong. In other words, boy, if I do the right thing here, my family's going to suffer financially. And you have to make that decision. Am I going to do the right thing or what? So it's always God's will that we choose the right thing. And we will choose suffering over wrong. But sometimes we suffer because we choose the right thing. I I think back, uh, I had a little boy, he, he... not my child, one of the children at church, and he had muscular dystrophy, the Shanes, Bad situation. And I watched him as a little boy. He could walk and everything. Then it got worse and worse. He couldn't walk, and he's in a wheelchair. And as he got to be a teenager, he, he got older, and he eventually passed away he was 18. But well, when he was about 16 or 17, I was talking to him one day. And by this time... He is really going down. He knows his friends. He's been to all the muscular dystrophy camps, and he's seen what's happened to his friends. He knows what's eventually lay ahead for him. But one day he made the comment, and I'm going to paraphrase this, but he said, you know, Michael, as bad as this muscular dystrophy is, if the cure means that unborn babies and fetal cell research cures me, then no, I'll keep suffering. I don't want some baby to be killed so that I don't have to suffer. Now keep in mind, a little side note, there's a difference between fetal cell research and adult stem cell research. That's a whole different ballgame there. But he was talking about sometimes we choose suffering over what is wrong. I've never forgotten his words there. And I end up doing his funeral. And I think about little James, that's what we called him, and I'm reminded of Jesus' words. Rejoice. In fact, I thought about that as he passed. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. And that's where he no longer, talk about suffering, eventually he no longer suffers, and he knew that. He knew that's what, what lay ahead. Sometimes, for whatever reasons, don't know why he got that disease, but he suffered. He was a great example for a lot of people, and sometimes it's God's will that we suffer, even though we don't understand all of those things. Paul said in Philippians 1.29, it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe on Him, but what else? To suffer for Him. Hey, He's talking to us. Sometimes, even though it's a hard pill to swallow, God may, it may be God's will that we go through suffering as an example. or Whatever, we don't know everything. God says, according to God, it's a privilege to suffer for Jesus. Look what the Bible says about Moses. He, talking about Moses, chose to be mistreated, suffering, with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. You know, the Bible's telling me something that my integrity is more important than my comfort. And that sometimes I may have to choose suffering, as Moses did, over pleasure. We could go all into that. You, you make those, those own applications in your own life. But uh, when there are things that are right, we need to do them, whether it's going to hurt or not. I remember a, a, a fellow one time, he had to confront a situation with his adult children, and he knew, he knew that if he did, he'd he risked the chance of losing a relationship with them. But it was the right thing. He needed to talk to them about what was going on. And he said, I just had to make that decision. It doesn't matter what may happen. I've got to do the right thing. Sometimes we have to do that. So these, so these sources of suffering, we've talked about our situation, our sin, Satan, and even salvation. So the question comes up then, how do we cope with suffering? We talk about it. Oh, well, this is a real downer thing here. We've been talking about it. Yeah, we're going to suffer. We're going to have a hard time. So how do we cope with that? Well, again, in our text here, the key verse is verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. I want you, in this verse here, look at the key word in this, this, this verse. The key word is consider. Now, that little word is the key to understanding how to make it through when things are going bad and when things are tough. The word consider uh, in the original literally means to calculate. I want you to calculate. I want you to compute. I want you to analyze. It's the whole idea. You check it out seriously. Uh, Seriously look and compare what this suffering's all about. And he says, and, and so when we think about that, let's go look at that verse again there. I want you to really think about and compare our present sufferings as to what's going to be in the future. And that's what he's talking when he says to consider, that key word there. The key to suffering, really, this is it. The key to suffering is all in the way that you look at it. Uh, the key to coping with your problems and whatever's going on in your life right now, and I know if you're suffering, it's not fun, but the, the, the way to cope with it is to have the right perspective about things. You see, your problem is not your problem. What I mean by that is, your problem is the way that you look at your problem. That's your problem. When you're in pain, what do you tend to look at? The pain. That's just natural. We tend to want to look at it there. And that's all you see. You see that, and sometimes when we're in pain, emotional, physical, mental, whatever it may be, we have this tendency to just see ourselves and our biggest temptation is when we're going through a problem is we'll start focusing on ourselves and i know it's natural we want to focus on this problem and we get this myopic viewpoint that says and we don't see anybody else all i see is me and my problems and what i'm going through here and paul says that's your problem you got this short vision And what we're going to see in our next lesson, after we finish this morning here and start the next lesson, is we're going to see how we ought to look beyond our pain and how to look at other things to help us make it through these problems. And that will give you hope. And hope is what you need to make it. So this morning... I don't know what's happening in your life. And i realize that this is the faithful of the faithful get out in cold weather like this this morning. Grateful here, but you know what? Just because we're faithful doesn't mean we don't go through hard times. And it might be that right now, it seems like it's about to overwhelm you. You know, that's why we're here. We're here to encourage each other and to hurt with you. And it may be we can't fix it, but we can certainly pray and we can understand and we can do what... Any kind of uh, offer, any kind of help we can. If we can help you in any way with your suffering, with what's going on with you today, why don't you let us know while we're going to stand, we're going to sing this song this time.